Welcome to episode 54 of the I Wanna Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is the Matt Casket, Casket, Matt Casket, and the Breaks Spectacular. It's a lot of bases to cover, I know. Matt Casket has done a lot over the last several years, so yeah, we're going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk long in this intro part, though, because the talk that Matt and I had is fairly long. It's a, it was a great talk, but it's a fairly long talk, so I'm just going to dive right in. Casket the Band. Casket the Band. I somehow missed them from 2012 until like a couple of years ago. I had heard of Casket. They weren't really on my radar for some reason. I don't really know why. It's weird because Casket the Band is right up my alley. They're melodic, catchy, strong, very strong, very powerful songs. Shit's tight. Casket was fucking rad. Was a really gnarly band. Matt's drumming, Stefan Long's guitar stuff together. Incredible. It's like they were made for each other, truly. Really incredible stuff. Matt is a super, super incredible drummer. You have to listen to these songs I'm going to play. Listen to Matt's drumming. Really fucking great. The dude's a machine. Now, wait, wait, hold on. Go back. Did you say Casket was? Casket was a band? Yes, Casket was a band. Casket is no more. But Matt is keeping things going with his band, Matt Casket and the Breaks. That begs the question, though, doesn't it? Is Matt Casket and the Breaks just kind of Casket 2.0? No, I don't think so. No, not really. Maybe a tiny bit. They're like kind of a Casket moved on, Casket a little bit more mature, a little bit more grown up, maybe. Not that Casket was uh, not that mature, not that grown up compared to Matt Casket and the Breaks or compared to anything, really. They're just, it's a little different. You'll see. You'll see. Just listen. I'm going to play four songs on this episode. Three Casket songs and one Matt Casket and the Breaks song. Judge for yourself. Matt's bands are fucking great. Truly great. I will say that for sure. Here we go. That very first song was called Ugly for Nostalgia, and that was by Casket. That was off of 2015's This Machine Kills Sadness record. After this little intro part, we're going to have a few words from our good friends at 3110 Printing, and then the Casket song Serendipity City, which is my favorite Casket song. It's a fucking great song. I love that song. Really, really amazing. We'll take a little break right in the middle with some words from our good friends at Sticker Junkie and the Casket song, which is a cover of a propagandi song, Refusing to Be a Man. We'll come back for the second half of the interview. I'll say my goodbyes, my thank yous, and all that good stuff. And I'm going to leave you with the song Paint Me by Number, and that song is by Matt Casket and the Breaks. Good stuff ahead, so stay tuned. Why is there a letter D in the word bandana? Because it would be bananas if you left out the D. You wouldn't be bananas if you decided to have 3110 Printing take care of your custom screen printing needs. However, personally speaking, I've used 3110 Printing for t-shirts and bandanas recently, and I'm extremely happy with the results. The bandanas came out especially good. I was so pleased with the quality of work and helpfulness that is part of the great service from 3110 Printing. Do you need any custom screen printing done? Contact 3110 Printing. You can reach 3110 Printing via email at 3110printing at gmail.com or by phone at 619-895-0017. You can also visit 3110 Printing on the interweb at www.3110printing. That's 3110 spelled out. Dot com and request a quote. You'll be happy you did. Take your venture to the next level, whether it's a business, podcast, 
band or sports ball team and get some shirts or bandanas or whatever you need screen printed by 3110 Printing, the promotional possibilities are absolutely endless. The sky is the limit with 3110 Printing. Welcome to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast, Matt Casket. Very good to have you here, Matt. Hey, hello. How's it hello. going? Good, man. Good. How about you? Not bad. Good. Good. All right. I do have a few questions for you, but I do have a few trivia questions for you about Pee Wee Herman. Are you ready? Already. Okay. Yep. So give me give me your the or the Matt Casket origin story. What did did you have the name Matt Casket? Before the band casket, or was that because yeah of, you had it before the band casket? Really? Yeah. Ooh, you got yeah, to okay. So, tell me that story. Yeah. You know, contrary to what some people believe, and they and how would they believe any differently? You know, due to social media and just meeting me. Yeah, my last name is not casket. Uh, 
it's a very common last name and I can just let people speculate to what that is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, when I was about 25, I started playing up in Los Angeles and trying to kind of break into, I, I really wanted to like, I just wanted to go and drum for as many people as possible. Like I've been playing in bands for a long time and, you know, since I was like, you know, 14 or 15. And at this point, yeah, when I was like, you know, 10 years later, I was like 25. So I was like, I really want to just, I want to go to LA and, you know, I'll still live in San Diego, but I want to go to an audition and try and become part of that circuit where you're just a working drummer or working, you know, musician. Like a session and guy almost or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 I felt that I, you know, <laughs> at the time, you know, you're 25 and you're like, you know, it's like I didn't really have any other aspirations in life or anything or, or, I wasn't or, prospects like, oh, uh, or anything like that. Right. Exactly. So I was just like, okay, well I've been touring and recording and playing for like 10 years. I was like, well, how do you make that into a job? And so I ended up, you know, talking to, or I met someone who, you know, got me in touch with like, kind of like an agent of some sort. And uh, yeah. So I was like, okay. So I started going to these auditions and I really wanted to stand out, you know, so, and I also wanted to be at the top of call sheets. So, oh, okay. last, the alphabetically, so, anyways, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, my last name that's very common starts with a W, and that's at the end. And I was like, yeah, I just need something that kind of sticks. So I just kind of, I don't know, kind of came up with the name, the name Casket. And I figured, okay, I'll spell it a little different. And I'll put two T's on it. And uh, yeah, it's really stupid, you know, whenever you kind of give yourself a name or something it's like name like it's like it's like naming a band like i always hated naming bands because no matter how good a band is it's like when you're naming the band the, the, the name of the band never sounds cool it, it, you know, or it doesn't fit you, or something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know I'm, I'm sure with like tilt wheel like the first time you know and maybe i'm wrong but it's like yeah you say it a bunch of times you're like yeah the band's tilt wheel but then it doesn't really mean much if they haven't released a bunch of records and played, you know, a bunch of shows and got a bunch of stuff under your belt. But then after a while you keep saying it and doing it. And then it starts to have, you know, eventually people, yeah. And then it's like, Oh, okay. And people start to recognize it. And that's exactly what happened. It was just, it felt really stupid and awkward at the time. And I was like, you know, making it my like Facebook, name and you know you get a bunch of flack from family members like i don't know what's that about <laughs> like why are and, you going uh, by this matthew like yeah, what's up with yeah, that exactly yeah. i get it <laughs> you know uh so and then yeah then it just kind of worked out i started playing for a few different you know bands and then uh it eventually just stuck and uh then people started knowing me as matt casket when i started the band that would become casket like I said, I hate naming band name, or I just hated coming up with a band name because everything just sounded so stupid to me. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to call the band Casket. And uh, that way people who know me already, uh, which wasn't a large group of people or anything. But they'll, but they'll know, know that you are associated they with go, it. You know? yeah. 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 They go, oh, okay, that's math bands. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it happened. And it's kind of been that way. You know, so now we're looking at, yeah, like 12 years of me going underneath that moniker and name. So, wow, and so okay, yeah. so you're like 37 now? You're in your like late, uh, late 30, 30s? Yeah, 36. I turned 37 this year. Your oh, math cool. is spot on. Good, good. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so in this case, kind of the egg did come before the chicken. In other words, yeah. you it grew into the band casket from you having mm -hmm. that 
that name before. I, I that's very interesting. Now, as a kid, like growing up and stuff, what kind of music? What really got you into music? Because you have a pretty deep interest in music. Is that a fair mm-hmm. thing to say to you? Oh yeah, cool. Oh yeah, and I mean, I listen to everything, and I and I always sound so cliche when people say that, but like I I do, you know, like today. Is that weird like techno song called like I'm the Scat Man or something like that? Oh, it's really okay. annoying song. <laughs> it's awful, but for some reason I was just like, I'm gonna listen to this. So I listened to, and not just the one song. I listened to the whole like record and kind of skipped around. I was like, yeah, this is awful. Now I see why it's so bad. But well, you're open to at least give it a chance. So that's more Absolutely. than a lot of people so, would do. Yeah, yeah. As far as like early stuff, I mean, my both my parents were really into music. They were. You know, they both graduated high school in like the mid to late seventies. So they, you know, they were really into, you know, yeah, bands and you know, music. They actually met at a show in uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, no kidding! And uh, yeah, that's like where they went to school. Yeah, they were always into music. I mean, I remember, you know, we did a lot of road trips and we moved around a lot as a kid. And I just remember the best times were driving across the country with my parents with, uh, you know, them putting a cassette in the van or, you know, whatever. And just listening to like, you know, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Jackson Brown, like that era of music. Oh, that's uh, cool. They, you know, so they were like know, rock and roll people. They liked rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. Cool. You know? Cool. Yeah. And then my dad was, you know, my dad grew up in New Jersey, so he lived really close to New York city and was always interested in called like the punk music. So, you know, he, my dad has a really decent, record collection his older brother has a very prized record collection that was hopefully willed to me and my brother oh. <laughs> <laughs> so everything's been kept very in very good shape like pristine like everything's like yeah kind of wow. Yeah, wow absolutely yeah yeah like i said i mean i moved around a lot as a kid and so you know you turn like eight or nine that's usually when they start doing concert bands and uh at that time i was living in chicago and just I wanted to play I was just wanted to play drums that was it like I wanted to play drums since I was like four or five but did, and, did uh, anybody else in your family play drums or anything like that no that kinda, no I mean well my mom's my mom's brother played drums and uh he played for actually University of Florida in Gainesville he played for their marching band because that's where he went to college but no one played like in bands or seriously or anything like that it was more you know like they you know they did it in school and they did it more like a hobby it definitely wasn't like a career you know, toys for anybody. And, you know, my, you know, neither my parents, I mean, my dad played a little bit of guitar, but, you know, no one was ever, no one was ever writing songs or anything like that or gigging out. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. But, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, just kind of, you gravitated yeah, towards years it. Old. You just kind of thought like, oh, yeah. this is something I really, it looks like fun. It's something I really kind of want right. to do. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, MTV in the, you know, I mean, it was always on, you know, MTV was on a lot at my house, just, it was one of the few shows that was 24 hours kind of when that came out, you know, just hearing stories from my dad, what he told me is, you know, it's like MTV came out, and, you know, he had young kids. So it's like, you're up late at night, you know, and you're like, I ah, just put something on TV. And MTV was one of the first like 24 hour channels. Yeah, so he was. Just stay yeah. Up yeah. Watching music videos, you know, while he's trying to, you know, calm, you know, calm the baby. me yeah. or any of, my, any of my siblings, you know, cause we had, I had a bunch. So yeah. You know, so he's just watching MTV music videos. So it was like always on. So it was like, I always kind of was like, oh, like, what is this? You, you got know? a little so, supplemental plant in there somehow from all yeah. the MTV exposure, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then I loved going to, uh, you know, parades as a young kid and watching like the drumline, you know, march. And I was just like, fuck, I want to do that. I want to be like, 
you know, it always sounded so cool, you know, now it's like you go to a parade and you're like, that's ah, so lame. But like to a four <laughs> or five year old. Oh like, no, that's like know, the best thing so in the world. Loud. Yeah. 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 yeah but, you know, besides the Shriners on the little go-karts, that's like the coolest part of the parade. You're just like, all right. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, and they're, and they're always high school kids. I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, they're just, you know, high school kids. So they're not, you know, they're not super great or anything, but it's just, it's loud and it, it gets your attention. And then, and then it's, that was always near the end of the parade was the marching bands. So it was almost like they play and then it was like everybody went home. So it was your most memorable, at least for me, the most memorable part, memorable part of a parade. So sure. yeah, like eight or nine years old, you know, wanted to play drums in the band, in a concert band or whatever at school. Unfortunately, they were like, well, we already have a drummer. So I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so you did. Oh, okay. So they had the so, yeah, like one guy on snare drums or one girl exactly. or whatever. Yeah. 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 So they were like, well, how about trumpet? And I was like, all right. Yeah, playing trumpet for a few years until eventually I begged, begged my mom to let me play drums. So, yeah, she ended up buying me a snare drum when I was like 12. You know, but of course I wanted to play drum set. I was you like, wanted okay, a set, like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, but she, her whole thing was like, you know, if you play this snare drum without me having to ask you to play it, because that's how it had gotten with my trumpet was you know, I just didn't want to play it anymore. And, you know, I was just really over it. And you had she to be told, said, hey. you have to practice kind of thing. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, if you play the snare drum, like, you know, every day and I don't have to bug you, then, you know, we'll look into buying you a drum kit. And oh. So like a year, like a year later, they ended up buying me like a starter drum kit. And that was really cool. That kind of changed everything. How, so, how old were you then when they did that? Like 13. Oh, okay, cool. So, cool. So you yeah. stuck with it. I mean, and, you had a love of it, like a desire to do it for a long time. And then you, oh, didn't, yeah. you didn't like get fickle and kind of fade away from it. You really kind of stuck with yeah. the desire. And I'm sure if I was a four or five year old that wanted to play guitar, I, they probably would have bought me a guitar. But drums are like, you know, we moved a lot. And, you know, it's just like having a drum set to cart around. It's loud. You know, it's just. Yeah, you can't play them uh, in every house that you're going to move into or right. apartment or whatever. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, you know, I think. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty and you just, I mean, you kind of have to be stable to buy a four or five year old a drum set. You got to be like, okay, like this is, you know, unless you are a drummer, obviously, like if right. I ever yeah. were to have kids, I'm sure I'd be like, hey, you like yeah, like we're going to, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, as I'm sure you are. You oh know? yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, so I'm sure if I wanted to play guitar, I would have been like, oh yeah, let's like go get you a guitar. But yeah, it's just a lot harder for drummers. It is for sure. It yeah. always is. It always, it's such a pain in the ass sometimes is what it I is. know oh it's, totally it's I get, fun right but god damn it's a pain I, it in the is, ass sometimes. but I get you know over the past five years I get so mad just like loading gear into my car sometimes I'm like why like why do I have <laughs> why to do did this? I pick this why yeah, did I, know, I choose like, this <laughs> and when I had a big you know tour van you know in my name it was fine you know just like I got you know road cases and it's really easy but now after I sold that tour van a couple years ago it's like Oh, I'm like packing it back into a car and it just like makes you feel very like, you know, like you're 16 or 17. Uh, like you're again, starting which, over again in some ways. Right. 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 And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, that nostalgia is good. And other times that nostalgia is like, it's oh, a pain in the you. ass. Yeah. Totally. You know, you're ass. like, where's my, you know, where's my assistant who brings me my drum kit so I can just show up and powder my hands, and, you know, start <laughs> playing. But, I mean, what kind of art comes out of that? Anyway, right, so. right. Right. In that case, everybody's doing everything for you except for playing the drums, you know, so. I know. <laughs> like bring me my kit, bring me my throne. Hand me my sit upon. Casket. When did casket the band start playing in 2012 ish, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it was, I think what was the, it was 
yeah, right around the end of the world, <laughs> 2012. I had been playing in a few bands. I had actually, I had played in a band in San Diego for uh, a couple years. The band was called Indoxy. And they were kind of like this, kind of like rock and roll band that had like this, like, you know, they had a, everybody was very good musicians. Everyone was kind of like a, like, everyone could go be a session player in that band. Oh, they're and, all uh, like super, like that was yes. what they kind of, their career choice was to play music yes. in some ways. Yeah. And this, okay. That was that that was the goal that was like i mean this this band had conversations about how to make this band how to make that band like everyone's job so you know we gigged out you know we played every friday saturday sunday night at like downtown san diego or where we just played these like four hour gigs oh my and, god wow. uh you know we did all the standards you know as far as you know like you you know playing like brown eyed girl and you're playing 99 red balloons and you know you're just playing like all the you know hits from you know 70s 80s 90s yeah yeah and just you know and then you're putting in some you know some of your originals in there to you know see if people like them you know but that band to me kind of started to become more about like i've never i just i wanted to express myself artistically and there was like it just never felt like it was going there and they were after this you know they were after making money and they really wanted like the big record deal. They wanted the guy to come in and go, holy shit, y'all are amazing. You know, we want to put you on the road. Like there's a band right now that made it that way. They're called um, Wolfpack, I think. Hmm. They kind of went viral on the internet. They, But they're kind of like that band where they're these great musicians. Their originals are okay, you know, but there's just not a whole lot of people may disagree with me because a lot of people do like that band, but uh, Wolfpack, but to me, there's just not a whole lot of heart and soul there. Like, not soul, not that's story. what I was going to kind of say. Like there's yeah. no soul behind that right. in some ways. So yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, or the story seems like fabricated or it just, and there's no community. Like that was the thing that, you know, I grew up playing in punk rock bands before I had you know, played in this band in Oxy. And so there was always this sense of community and like, you know, other bands looked out for each other. And then, you know, of course, yeah. you know, other bands are trying to bring you down at the same time. Like there's all this like competition and, but also community and camaraderie. And, and you know, you know, that band would go on tour and I, you know, I had toured for, you know, a couple of years before, you know, or years before that. And I knew what touring was and how to, you know, live on the floor of, you know, people's houses and, live in the back of a van for months at a time. And these guys just were like, you know, trying to stay in hotels and motels. And I was like, yeah, this is like this. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, so long, you know, yeah, just, I kind of grew out of it and uh, wasn't seeing eye to eye with the direction they were kind of going. And like, they had a tour that was booked that was just like, looked like a mess. And I was just like, I can't go on that. It's going to bankrupt me. And I don't have family that live out here in San Diego. And, you know, you just have to make choices that to make sure that you have food in your fridge. Yeah, you know? like you weren't going to be able uh, to pay your bills if you went on the right, tour exactly. kind of thing. So, yeah, and I just got married, too, and it was just, like, so much going on. And I just was like, you know what? I need a break. And so in 2012, I just told myself, I'm, I was like, you know, I knew that I was, I'm never done with music, but I just needed to reset. You know, I'd done nothing but just, like, that was it. You know, just, like, play music, play music, play in bands, tour, uh, write a record, you know, it's just like, you're just in this cycle and I just needed a break. So I ended up just, you know, I'd always had, I've always had a job, you know, although we, in that band, we were trying to make that band the job, you know, but it just, it wasn't happening. It wasn't paying me enough to live. Just, I took a, I sat back and then I started 
jamming with some friends and they kind of wanted to go a little bit more like metal, you know, hardcore music. And I was like, I'd kind of outgrown that a lot, a lot, a long time ago, probably in my late teens, I'd kind of outgrown that, like just metal and thrash and just like play, you know, just try and be the gnarliest, you know, drummer, gnarliest guitar player. And I just kind of outgrown that, but I was jamming with friends, you know, that wanted to play that kind of stuff. And it, it was a nice palate cleanser. You know, After going being from in playing like a cover band kind of situation exactly. almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, where this band's like, yeah, let's just like, well, you know, and just playing these like hardcore songs. And with, you know, hardcore songs and like drums kind of drive those songs. Oh, and sure. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of was able to like let loose. And in doing that, though, I realized I wanted to be in charge of a band. And that I had never done that. You know, as a drummer, I had never started a band. I had always just joined bands forever. Sure. So I started to come up with this idea for a band where I was like, I really want to, I, I love three piece bands are my favorite. You know, some of my favorite bands are three piece bands or started out that way. Propagandi is one of my favorite bands, which I know, you know, yes, uh, yes, there'll be, you know, I love that later too. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love the police. You know, the police was like, you know, one of oh, my great, dad's great favorite example. Bands. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I a mean, great example. I, I mean, I grew up like just idolizing Stuart Copeland you know, just playing to, you know, the police greatest hits, you know, records, you know, just like learning like all those songs uh, as a, you know, teenager. I loved how like early they were so punk rock and then they kind of like moved into these pop songs and then Sting wanted to go do his own thing. And I mean, I, and then I got very lucky that I was able to see them on their first reunion tour. I think it was like 2007. Or okay. Something. Yeah. Something like and, that. And, uh, I mean, that was amazing. Yeah, I just had this idea for like a, th- a three-piece band. And I was like, I want everybody to be able to sing. You know, I want uh, there to be like just involvement. And uh, I was listening to a lot of like the Lawrence Arms. And, you know, I've always been a huge fan of Alkaline Trio. And I was just like, yeah, like these three-piece bands do that. And that's what I want to do. At the time, this, you know, the metal band I was playing in, the singer of that band was actually uh, Steven, who ended up playing guitar in Casket. And oh, Stephen, I didn't even know Stephen that, Long, right? Isn't yeah, that Stephen Long. Yeah. 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 Oh, so he was Stephen in Long. that that metal band with you? Yeah. Too? Oh, no. yeah. Stephen is like, I mean, he is a dictionary of metal and black metal and oh, great. I had no metal. idea. I mean, he, oh, <laughs> yeah. Rad. Like he. Uh, I, love I mean, it. <laughs> I came to I came to him, and he's like, you know, he. <laughs> I just remember the conversation I had with him because one day he came in and he, you know, the metal band's playing, and he's like, oh, let me see, and he's like, he was playing guitar, and I looked at him, and I was like holy shit, you're like an incredible guitar player. You're better than the guitar players that are playing guitar in this band. Like, why are you singing? You know, and not that he's a bad singer. Or right, whatever, right, but right. I was like, but wait, why are you not playing guitar? And he was like, I don't know. I'm just looking for something to do. And that's exactly what I'd been doing in that band. It wasn't very serious. And, yeah, you were uh, just trying to, to, you just wanted to play drums and do something different yeah, from what exactly. you were doing. Yeah. yeah, just like, yeah, just meet up, you know, like, and that that's all that band was, was like meet up, like, once a week and just like play for like three hours, you know, and just jam and just jam, man. <laughs> jam, <bro>. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I remember talking to him and I was like, Hey, like I've been listening to a lot of these bands. This is kind of what I'm going for. And I think I'm going to, I want to put together a band, but I was like, I don't play guitar. I was like, I guitar has never made sense to me. And I don't know. I don't know a whole lot of guitar players who are into the kind of music that I listen to. Because all my friends are either like, you know, metalheads or super into hardcore or, you know, or, you know, the band that I had just left was like, yeah, like, a, you know, a cover band, you know, they wanted to play standards and, you know, stuff like that. So he was like, 
I, I just knew he was a good enough guitar player to do it. And he was starting to listen to a lot of the bands that were kind of starting to break or, you know, they had, they had already broke at that point, but they were really starting to get a lot of play. I think, you know, it's funny. People always ask for like, Oh, what's the next movement in music? And it happens before you even realize it. Oh, happens. sure. 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 It's already snuck up on you and, and passed you by more or less. Yeah. What people don't realize and they, I mean, maybe they do like, I'm like some fucking, I don't know, I sound like such a dick, but <laughs> I remember in 2012, 2013, like Spotify was like just starting to get like, like, a t like where it was becoming an app and it was becoming this big thing. Like Pandora was a little before that, but like, and that, and Pandora was all like just streaming music and having it on, on your smartphone was becoming such a big thing that yeah, 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 yeah. a lot right of bands that. were yeah. getting, yeah. a lot of bands were getting a lot of play. And those bands in the scene that, you know, we all kind of play in now was like, you know, Jeff Rosenstock with Bombs Music Industry, uh, Against Me, you know, he had all the older bands obviously too. We had some of these younger bands that had been had been you know hashing it out for like 10 years like Ladderman Iron Sheik had like just released their first record and so these bands were being just played all the time like you could type in be like hey I want to listen to Reviver Radio and it would just play all these bands yeah, that yeah, you know yeah, yeah. yeah you know now will go and headline fest so yeah that at that time like those were the kind of bands I was like listening to cuz that was just that's kind of what the algorithm was like pushing you know if you were like oh I want to listen to new punk music that's what it was pushing you on those apps. Yeah. So that's, you know, kind of where I was like kind of headed and that I'd kind of like fallen back in love. And I'd been paying attention to that punk scene, uh, particularly with like, you know, cause all the, you know, with Lawrence arms and against me, they'd been around, you know, obviously since, you know, the early 2000s, sure. but yeah, they were, they had, at this point, they were really starting to get a lot of traction as, you know, absolutely like against me and, you know, they, you know, they'd already had like the major label deal, but then they, they were kind of figuring out how to do it themselves. I'd say against me, it was like a huge uh, inspiration for casket, like early on, just like how they, how they conducted themselves, so to say. Yeah, or exactly. Like that. Yeah. 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 And even just like, even some of the song structuring and all that, and even just the general sound. And I was like, man, like, I love this. Like, this is the, this is the kind of music that I, you know, really, you know, love, you know, 10 years prior. And, and then I listened to all the time. That's interesting. I don't really, I don't hear against me on your first EP more. You mentioned Alkaline Trio. I hear a little bit, maybe a little bit of a combo of the two in some sure. ways, you know? Ah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and and a lot of that comes from where Steven's, you know, like I said, Steven is more of a, you know, he listens to metal and black metal and, you know, he's like guitar, you know, virtuoso, like, like I can sit there and just nerd out about like a Tom Petty song and just like, you know, listen to like that, like American style guitar playing and like just some of like the single notes, just like guitar solos and just like how simple everything is. And then you have Steven, you know, in the same tour van, you know, in his headphones, he's listening to like some crazy like Swedish black metal that I have like no idea that's just like, so it's just Stephen brought a different element, you know. When we started writing songs, okay, like, I said that I'm kind of starting to get it, like a little bit. He's throwing kind of a good wrench in the direction of the way things are going, you know, in right. some ways. So that's and I good. Feel, no, yeah. that's the answer. What you were saying about it, like you're listening, thinking about this and listening, and he's like, no, no, fuck, hail fucking Satan over here. You know what I mean? Right, like, exactly. <laughs> and uh, but that can make that can make things pretty interesting, though, in some ways. And too, it, yeah, you know? and, it, and it did. Oh, absolutely. And uh, when we've been listening to like, 
I forget, like some of the bands that we really agreed on were like, you know, Polar Bear Club was a band that we really agreed on. And we, you know, we agreed on, we, Steve and I aren't too far apart in age. Maybe like, he's maybe like four years younger than me. Yeah, we had like a similar upbringing with music and stuff. Oh, cool, so, cool, cool. Uh, was he, did he, was he kind of into punk rock a little bit too, or no? Was he, he, pretty- he was in his, yeah, I think in his, like when he was really young, but he's such a great musician that I think he, <laughs> in a weird way, like, kind of graduated from that and then he's you know he just started listening to like when steven writes a song he doesn't sit there and like you know put out like this big chord structure and go okay like it goes like this just like four bar chord structure he's like thinking like the guitar is like a piano like i've watched him play guitar and i'm just like what the fuck are you doing I'm uh. like i have no idea so he's just he's just a different style guitar player like i mean i'm such an idiot when it comes to guitars that I have no idea, but like, what's he actually doing? Yeah, yeah, because I don't. Right, yeah, exactly. Me neither. Me neither. Like, oh, I don't. Okay, I don't know anything about that. So yeah. <laughs> you know, so like that first EP, I think, like I knew exactly what I wanted it to sound like, but I think his guitar playing on the first EP, and I'm sure he'd admit it too, is just like I kind of didn't know what I was doing because I didn't really know. Is he's like, is this what uh, you know Matt wants? Or and I'm sitting there going like, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. You know, because I was. Would he write the song? I mean, would he, or would you kind of we... say like? I it was like, kind of like it to go this way or that way or whatever. I mean, the first song I wrote for Casket was Agoraphobic, and I'd written the whole song out. Usually, you know, with that song and a lot of songs, I usually, I mean, I, I go, I'm going to write about this. Usually it's autobiographical or uh, especially the first, the EP and then This Machine Kills Sadness. Those two records are very autobiographical. And I mean, I write the whole song, like all the lyrics, and then I kind of, I come up with the melody and kind of the song structure, you know, playing being a drummer that had joined a lot of bands. Uh, you a have lot an of times idea I, of how a song's going to go like time exactly. wise and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Sure. 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 Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, and then just structuring and formatting a song. I used to actually like, that was some, something that I just used to really enjoy was like how people wrote songs. I actually used to like sit down and write, you know, how different uh, bands would write their songs. I'd write like a diagram of like, you know, like intro four bars you know, versus, you know, three and a half and it does this weird bridge thing for, you know, it's like, and then just coming up with that structure. And so I think I did that with every song on the EP with Don't Tell Anyone. And yeah, but I mean, I mean, with Agoraphobic, I mean, I sang the entire song to Steven. I go, this is how I wanted to go. And I just sounded oh, like, oh, I see. Okay. And, okay, yeah, but I was yeah. like, but, but put this in guitar speak, like back me up with guitar. Tra- and translate what I'm saying yeah. to you in some way. Sure. Sure. I'd see, I've never heard of anybody describing like that's how they wrote a song. That's an interesting approach to, to yeah, me. Yeah, that's just, I mean, that's, and that's how I, and even now, I mean, I've written songs where, you know, I think as even and I became closer as songwriters, I think he, like, he would have like more input, like at the beginning, he'd be like, hey, like, how don't we, why don't we try this? And go, oh, cool. I have an idea already that will fit that idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And You're then kind let's of a make merging that of your two ideas yeah. in some ways. Sure. Gradually that got, that's something that became easier for you too, as far as writing oh, songs totally. go. Like, because you kind of all, both of you knew where the other guy was going in some ways or had an idea yeah. of, you know, you guys, because you had been working together for a while, so and you guys did a lot of shit. I mean, you guys had that EP, and then you had a full length in 2016, one in 2017. Mm-hmm. You did, you got in yeah, the, well, the short period yeah, of time, like, relatively. Yeah, it was like we, yeah, we released, yeah, the end of 2013, we released the EP, Don't Tell Anyone. Let's see. Then we released, like, we had two songs that we wrote, like, specifically for a split that was going to happen, and then, like, the split just never happened, which is, like, a big bummer. And so we released those two songs on. 
we were writing songs for this machine kills sadness but in 2014 i was like like i just i got it in my head i was like okay like i'm cranking out all these songs like, let's just release something like every year and so then we put out like you know a little two song thing and it's on Bandcamp. camp yeah you did that's it. it was originally a seven inch or something though right yeah something yeah so cool. then uh but it was never pressed. It was just like four or seven. Oh, gotcha. Got pressed. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. And, okay. uh, but, and I was like, well, I'm not going to sit on these songs. And I didn't want to like, I, I'd written them just not as throwaway tracks. It was just like, I just, it was like a burp. It was like, you know, I just got to like burp these songs out. And then like, I'm over them. That's all that was. And then we released this machine called Santa's in 2015. And then, yeah, then the end of 2016, we released an old fire. So it's like, yeah, we were cranking out. Like, you know, I think, I mean, casket, you know, really only existed, you know, we were, we were, I mean, yeah, we like going to do Los Galera Fest before the COVID outbreak, but yeah, we were really only like fully active from, you know, Steven and I sat in a garage in December, 2012. And then we kind of hung it up or, you know, put a pin in it, uh, the end of 2017. So you're looking at like five years, yeah, five years, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, putting out a, you know, as many records and songs as we can and touring as much as, you know, our bank accounts would allow. Sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah. we, we also, you know, we were, Stephen and I were so close. I mean, we lived to, you know, we lived very close to each other in North park at the time. So, I mean, we went to the studio like all the time, you know, and he's a night owl too. So, I mean, we'd go there and, you know, play from like 10 PM to like one in the morning. And that's, oh, wow. and that's the kind of shit that you want to do. And, and, and I was 30 years old. I mean, you know, I'm not, I wasn't 20 cause I'd done that in bands in my twenties, but it was cool to do that again in my thirties. You found somebody else who is just as into it as you, too, right. in some ways, too. You know, That's tricky, for and sure. I'm, and I'm sure that that, you know, <laughs> helped lead to the demise of my marriage, you know, because I wasn't, you know, you know, going to bed at, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night, you know, with my spouse. It was like, no, I was, you know, cranking out the tunes with, you know, my, you know, friend and, you know, just getting it all out there. And, uh, but I mean, I wouldn't trade it in for the world, so. Yeah, uh, sure. And I consider, I think at this point, I'm like, I'm starting to come to terms with like, I'm a lifer. Okay. This is it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Good. Well, at least you're coming so, to terms with it. Yeah. So you're a workaholic. You're a musical workaholic in some ways. Oh, totally. I, yeah. I, I kind of figured, I mean, just I, before we started talking, I don't know that much about you. You know, I mean, we talk when sure. we see each other or whatever, yeah. but getting to, from what you're saying, I go, oh yeah, yeah. This dude's a total workaholic. So, and there's, oh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's actually great if you're serious about what you're doing and you want to either have fun or get some measure of success being yeah, de and devoted and hardworking is absolutely not a bad thing at all you know do you need some stickers made for your band blog podcast softball team record label or business sticker junkie is open for business and ready to help let me tell you about the stickers from Sticker Junkie. These stickers are absolutely the highest quality stickers I've ever seen. These thick vinyl and double gloss laminated stickers are weatherproof and durable with seven plus years of outdoor life. Amazing. Sticker Junkie stickers are made right here in San Diego, California in a facility that has optimum sticker production in mind. Did you know that Sticker Junkie also offers free shipping on orders in the continental U.S.? It's true. Why don't you check it out? Go to www.stickerjunkie.com and check out the incredible Sticker Junkie website. If you have an order that you need in a rush, simply call Sticker Junkie at 619 328 6275 
and they'll be happy to help you any way that they can. Sticker Junkie, the highest quality stickers made in the USA and free shipping on orders in the continental United States. What are you waiting for? Get to www.stickerjunkie.com and order some stickers today. Another question sure. for a comparison that you guys get, I think, more than I can kind of sort out in my own head because it doesn't sound quite correct to me. You Casket gets compared, has gotten, I should say, compared to Propagandi, I think, quite right. a bit. And I, I honestly, I don't hear it. I don't. I hear, I mean that in the best way possible. Casket sure. has slightly technical songs with time changes and this and that. I just don't sure. hear that that whole propaganda thing. Maybe do you think it, people say that because they don't know what else to compare casket to? Because I can't find, I can't look at casket and go, oh yeah, they sound just like this. I think casket's fucking great, by the way. But thank you. I can't, I can't pin you guys down to like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, sure, it sounds like against me and an alkaline trio mixed together. 
Right. I just put that in my head when you were talking about it earlier because then I go, oh, well, that sounds kind of logical. But as we've been talking, I kind of go, no, no, it's not thinking back on the songs. It's like, no, that's not quite right either. The, right. The propaganda thing. Why do you think that I, comes up? What do you, do you, have you, have you even heard that really? I mean, I, I want to ask. That oh, too. No, yeah. no, I mean, I've had, I mean, I mean, we, I remember, I don't remember exactly when the propaganda references, I mean, they've been, they've definitely been a favorite band of mine since I was like 15. And I, you know, unlike a lot of people, my first record that I had of theirs wasn't how to clean everything. It was actually, oh, uh, oh okay. it was actually less, it was actually less talk, Let's more talk more rock. rock. Oh, okay. okay. And that album's like so different than every other record they put out. I mean, like how to clean everything's like their teenage angst record, you know, with like the snotty voice. And I, I like that record, but that wasn't the first record I heard. The first record I heard was less talk, more rock. And I was like, what the fuck is this band? I was like, this sounds like nothing. And I'd, you know, like the way that you heard before. Was recorded, that was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like, because how to clean everything kind of sounds like no effects. I mean, if you, sure, you know, kind of, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's, you, that speedy you know, pop punk kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. You know, and that, I mean, that's why that Mike signed him. He goes, Oh look, Canadian, you know, no effects. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> with better you know? lyrics, so, with much better exactly, lyrics. So yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. They're actually singing about, you know, things that they know about. You know? <laughs> right. Right. You know, but then like, let's talk more rock comes out. And I mean, I, like I don't even remember. I mean, that record. I don't exactly remember the date or the year that record came out. But when I picked it up, it, I was 15, so it was probably like a year or two after it came out, and I was just like blown away. I was like, "This is like." I mean, I it, there was so much to that record, like lyrically. Like I had I had been listening to like Ad Religion, and I, you know, Suffer was like my favorite record of theirs, and you know, No Control, and like those records, and like. I'd already sat there with an encyclopedia and, you know, gone through bad religion records and listened to punk records. And I'm like, Oh wow, they're saying something, you know? Yeah. 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 So, There's more to it than just but with, the music. With propaganda, sure. I was like, what the fuck? I mean, like that less talk more rock record has like, you know, someone reading like samples from Howard Zinn's, you know, actually is it Howard Zinn reading it or, or Noam Chomsky reading? I, I can't remember exactly. Something like but, that. Yeah, I don't remember uh, either. I don't, it's been a while. Like they, and they, you know, they have someone reading, you know, about Chiapas, Mexico. Uh, they have someone reading about, you know, the Shell Corporation. Like just that whole record. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is, I mean, I remember I got that record in at my grandmother's house in South Carolina, in Greenville, South Carolina. And there's one record store in that fucking town at the time called, what is it called? something i something has to do with an eyeball maybe it's the eyeball record i don't know i don't know what it is i love that i think it was still there the last time i was in greenville which was like six years ago yeah i remember buying that record and i was like holy shit and i listened to it you know just constantly for sure, like sure. you know weeks anyway that's where i you know fell in love with that band and then you know they then they changed i mean john samson left that band and you know did the weaker than yep. then propaganda kind of became like this they were like, well, we're going to be a thrash punk band now. Right. Yeah, and I, yeah. and I liked that, but I always went back to less talk more rock. And I think uh, maybe that's where people pull reference from. I'm not sure. Maybe some of the faster stuff or more technical stuff. And maybe it's, I mean, there's a lot of bands that are fast and technical that, you know, aren't that maybe it's, I sing with my entire mouth and Chris Hanna does as well, you know, where it, it doesn't really croon. It's like, he's almost yelling at you, but it's like, but it's still melodic. Sure, sure. Yeah, that you know what? You have a good point, actually. That that could maybe it's more in you and the way that you sing, too. Because I didn't focus much on that. I was much more focused on 
the music aspect of it, you right. know what I mean? And the song structure and this and that. So, sure. Oh, no, okay, then, now, you, know, then, you just planted a seed in my head. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, you know, we covered, you know, there's a propaganda cover on Bandcamp. We did uh, yep, yep, refusing, refusing to Be a Man, you know, which is the last song on Let's Talk and Rock, which yep. I fucking love. Oh, no, and, no. And you guys fucking nailed that song, too, by the no, way. So, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, I, we never really played it live. Maybe we did for like a little bit. And then when we, the first time we played Fest, uh, I was like, I was like, you know what? Like, we're playing, we're going to play propaganda back to the Motor League, which is a hard song to fucking play and learn. And, I was like, fuck it. We're just going to do it. It's going to be hard and we're going to make it happen. Even though that album or that song is on uh, Today's Empire, Tomorrow's Tomorrow's Ashes. Ashes, And and they're a four piece then. So Steven had, you know, quite, he had the hardest part because he's like, how am I going to make this sound full? without having a rhythm guitar. I was like, I don't know, man, figure it out. Pedals, bro. So, Pedals, come on. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm a I'm drummer. I'm not a guitar I'm player. I'm singing and drumming. I'm doing two things. Hey, you figure it out. There so. you go. All right. You're doing double duty anyway. So yeah. there you go. Let's. Why don't we do a little trivia right now? Let's do a little okay. trivia about Pee Wee Herman. There are a total of seven questions. I'm going to ask you. Uh, these, oh, boy. All right. Yes, sir. Seven. Seven altogether. They will slowly get a little bit tougher the final question is actually pretty tough, pretty tough. Now, there's a prize if you get four, at least four out of the seven questions correct. And basically right. what that is, I'm just going to mail you a bunch of stuff, and it's kind of a surprise right. package. So I'll start off easy on you. Question number one, what mm-hmm. is Pee Wee Herman's real name? Kiwi Herman, the character, <laughs> is played by Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. There you go. Okay. Question number two. What is the name of the director of the film Pee-wee's Big Adventure? That is Tim Burton. Yeah, that was his first full-length Feature, feature film you know film yeah good job matt i am impressed thank you you, you actually <laughs> you actually i had like you know i've attached like some little notes to the back side of the answers mm-hmm. like and where i would say and by the way uh you know that was tim burton's first feature film and you said oh yeah. you're good dude you're good question number three what crime was Wee herman arrested for in sarasota florida in july of 1991 trying to think of the exact crime he was caught in a adult movie theater uh jerking off well that's good enough that's good enough and yeah so it's like i mean i guess the i mean it would be like a lewdless or a lewd act in public indecent indecent exposure exposure yes that's what it was let's ask about playing drums and singing at the same time okay especially in punk rock with a couple of exceptions that i can think of that is it's pretty rare are there any drummers that sing and play it, play drums at the same time you kind of look up to where you go, Oh, that guy's awesome. I'm not angling for Phil Collins, but if you do see, say Phil Collins, that's fine. I'm not going to hold no. it against you. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Uh, I know your hatred of Phil Collins. I don't hate deep. him. I'm not Davey. You know, no, Davey a lot of people do, him. though. A I, lot I, of, I know Davey hates him. I don't, uh, I don't appreciate I, Phil Collins. Let me put it that way. A lot of people in England hate him because he's, he was just known as being very difficult. He's just kind of Oh, really? Shit, See, I never, you know? knew, oh, I never yeah. knew any of that. I never knew oh, that. Oh, yeah. There's a whole hatred of Phil Collins. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely an English thing. I think Americans just go, oh, yeah, Phil Collins. He did the Tarzan soundtrack. All right. <laughs> right, he did, you know, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. As far, I mean, as far as like a drummer singer, I mean, not really. I mean, I, I have, I have a couple that I definitely love, but there's no, there's not like when I was a little kid, I wasn't like, that's what I want to do. Like, to be honest, like, you know, when I was saying about the snare drum playing every day, when I was 12 years old, like Pearl Jam was one of the biggest bands around. And that was like one of my first records I got was Pearl Jam 10. And oh, okay. I love that record. Actually, my first concert was, I was I think 12 or 13. I went and saw, I was living in Colorado at the time. I went to Red Rock in Colorado, Red Rock Amphitheater. My first concert was, or show was, yeah, Pearl Jam. And then because they were doing that whole Ticketmaster protest, Bad Religion opened for them. So that's oh, how wow. I got into Bad Religion was because, yeah, Bad Religion, I think they were touring on Stranger Than Fiction, you know, Pearl Jam, like, no one wanted to go up against Ticketmaster because you know that, that's how that's how bands made money. That's how you They're make like, money. Go sure. Up against, yeah. So, but Bad Religion's like we have our own label. We don't give a shit. We'll yeah, we do things you. our own we'll, way. We'll go, anyways, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're looking at it like, yeah, we'll definitely go on this fucking tour. We don't care. And you know, Eddie Vedder's like, uh, you know, love. You know, he's a punk rock connoisseur, and so he, you know, I'm sure that that was a, you know, good. Uh, I don't know. That show was amazing, you know, and that at Red Rocks, I mean, it blew my mind being like 12 or whatever old I was. Was that kind of so your, I was, some of your first exposure to punk rock in right. some ways and too? So, so. Yeah. Cool. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, you know, and it's at Red Rocks Amphitheater. So it wasn't like some small little club seeing a punk band playing, but it was just like that, how fast Bad Religion played. And anyway, but I think I remember being like, I remember being like 12 years old being like, I want to be Eddie better, <laughs> but <laughs> I want to play drums. I don't want to just sing. I, you know, I love playing drums. So, uh, even my first, my first band was like, you know, a little punk rock band. And we actually covered the police's message in a bottle. And I was the only one who could sing in that higher register. So like, I'll do it. And I remember my first show, you know, I was like 14 or 15. We played, yeah, message in a bottle. And I sang and played it on and drums. And you sang and played drums. And, oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. So and it goes back. I, had, I mean, in some ways, it does go back for you it does. to the very beginning in and, some ways. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't, and maybe I'd block that out of my brain. I don't know if that's something my brain does often. I don't know. But I didn't even think of that until maybe like four or five years ago. And that all came. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, I have and done this I was before. Like, yeah. It was, yeah, it was really weird. I was like, why did I, and I was like, why did I block that out? It wasn't traumatic. I was like, why did right. my brain like, erase that? <laughs> well, you've, it sounds stupid. like you've kind of done a lot between now and then, too, in some ways. Sure. For sure so. But I'm like, yeah, it was my first show. I'm like, I should remember my first That's show. That's true. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just remember my first show that I had played so hard, my fingernail, like the quick underneath my fingernails was just bleeding. Like my fingernails were just like. I just played so hard and as a, you know, nail biter, I just had bitten them so far down that after I was done playing, all the blood had rushed to my hands and they just were pulsating and just cracking and bleeding. It was such oh, a mess. Oh, gnarly, dude. God, so, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, it was a great first show, apparently. That's good. Lighten, um, up, lighten up, Matt. Calm down a little no, bit. You know, everything's so, so serious. <laughs> Like the drummers, singers that I look at now that I like, I absolutely respect are, 
I mean, Levon Helm of the band is probably someone I've like fallen in love with over the past like 10 years hmm. where I just, everything that Levon Helm kind of like, I mean, he's just one of the first people to kind of do it, you know, in a band and all that. And one of my favorite movies over the past, you know, few years when I discovered it, uh, which is The Last Waltz, which is the band's last show in San Francisco that Martin Scorsese directed. I mean, yeah, I mean, you just, I, I just remember watching that uh, years back and being like, holy shit. Levon Helmut, I don't know, I kind of like, I'm just like enamored with his life as a musician and like how he kind of did everything. He's a great, you know, just a great musician and, Hey, drummed and played, or he, yeah, drummed and sang and, uh, you know, was a main songwriter in the band. And his, there's a documentary. I mean, he passed, I think, in 2012. There's a documentary that was filmed a few years before his death called, ah, oh, what the fuck? Why am I spacing on it? I, I ain't in it for my health. It just follows him in like kind of his last days, like struggling with, you know, he had, he had beaten cancer, and then it kind of came back. And yeah, it's just, it's gnarly. But, oh, um, he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely someone who I kind of look up to. As far as a drummer, singer, songwriter, I don't know. I mean, I knew that Stuart Copeland, he never really played drums and sang live, but he would do backups and stuff. Yeah. And he was also the police. I mean, Stuart Copeland and his brother kind of helped. I mean, they kind of created that sound as far as the police. I mean, his brother was like an engineer on some of the earlier records and stuff. So Stuart Copeland wrote a lot of songs. And, right, uh, right. And now he's so, a composer and, and now and yeah. has been for a long time too, right? Right. Oh, yeah. But yeah, other than that, I mean, uh, I forget the drummer from Husker Du. I mean, he... Oh, Grant Hart. Uh, Grant Hart. Yeah. And yeah, he passed a little while ago. Right, yeah. The guy from the Romantics, you know, was a drummer, singer. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I, never, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> uh, and then right. Don Hen... And then the other... The biggest one is probably Don Henley uh, from the Eagles. And I was never like the biggest Eagles fan. My parents weren't the biggest Eagles fans either. But yeah, I mean, he, I mean, I remember growing up and watching MTV and watching, you know, Don Henley's like solo, you know, when he did like Boys of Summer, I think, hearing that, that's a very nostalgic song for me to hear, even though it doesn't really show him playing drums and singing, but then going back and there's always, always these live shots of Don Henley playing, you know, probably in front of like probably Wembley Stadium or some shit and He's playing uh, the the music video for Hotel California by the Eagles. It shows him singing and playing drums. I remember seeing that as a young kid and being like, oh, that's cool. The drummer sings. So, yeah, like um, very unique. That's not a common yeah. thing at all. Yeah. So, you know, there's some other bands that do it. Like newer bands that kind of do it is there's a band called Mute. And they're from, I want to say Montreal. They're like a fast punk rock band. And their drummer sings. He's incredible. And then this band Code Orange, they're like a hardcore band. They've kind of broken into the mainstream. Their drummer screams insane and plays drums, and he's like insane. So, yeah, there's some bands out there that do it. My next question, I was reading that you were in a hardcore screamo band in the year 2004, yep. and you moved to <laughs> San Diego from Denver with that band. Now, oh, I, I yeah. just I wanted you to explain yourself a little bit with that okay. situation, if you can, okay. for me. All right, so th we're not on that band's not on Spotify. So okay, here's the story. Are you gonna Are you gonna get real with me? Or are you gonna get honest with yeah, me? I'll, I'll wrap it up. It'll, <laughs> it's a yeah. All right, you don't have to if you don't want to. It's okay. No, but. no, no. I you know you know all from like 15 to 20, I was just playing in punk rock bands. That's what I did, and then the scene kind of changed. You know, this is like 2003, 2004. Like, all these punk bands, like, no one was, like, listening to, like, these punk bands. Like, this is where bands, like, Against Me, like, were kind of starting out. They weren't, 
getting a whole lot of traction because bands like Killswitch Engage and Atreyu and like all these big heavy Coheed and Cambria, that yeah, kind of thing, exactly, right? yep, yeah, these, yep. and that you know Mars Volta and I and I love all that music too. Like I, like I said, I listen to everything. And at the time, I was like, oh shit, this is new. And the drummers of these bands are really fucking good. Are good. And so I started right. listening yes. to it, yeah, yeah, like, and I had never played double bass drum. And I when I was in Denver, I before I moved out here, it was like the year before I moved out here, I played in this band called Per Capita. And we were like this mix of like punk rock and then whatever that shit was, like all the screamo shit. We were kind of like trying to bridge that gap. And during that time, I got a double bass pedal and I was like, yeah, I'm going to learn how to use this. Cause I was always like one of those purists, like, I'm not going to use a double bass pedal. Like, fuck that. Like, you're not a real drummer. Like, <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, cause all my favorite drummers said that shit. Right. right so I heard, right. you know, all the punk, you know, I'd read all the punk zines and stuff and be like, Oh, I don't use a double bass pedal. No, that's one, you know, whatever. Like, oh, right. Who cares? As so, long as you have fun with I know. what you're doing. Right. So, so yeah, get a double bass pedal. We start doing that. And then, I am like, I turned 21 and I'm like, I've got to get the fuck out of Denver. There's like nothing for me here. Like the band, the, all the other guys were in college and they had like, you know, grown up aspirations. Like they want to be teachers or real estate agents. And I'm like, I just want to work at a grocery store and play fucking music and, and play go music, skate, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And no one wanted to do, you know, no one really wanted to do that with me. So I, like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And I'm sure if I would have moved downtown Denver, I would have found a bunch of kids that were doing the same thing. But at the time, it was like, I was living in, where was I living? Like uh, a suburb? Kind of like, yeah, yeah. I was like north of Denver, like Westminster. So I was working. And so it's like just a little north of Denver, like 10 minutes downtown. I was working at a grocery store. This kid's like, he's like, hey man, like if you're looking for like gigs or looking for bands, like there's this website called gigfinder.com and you should go on there. So I go on there and I'm like, and, you, and I was like, oh, cool, you can search anywhere in the United States. So I was like, I wanted to move to California since I was like five years old because it's like palm trees and vacation and like it's just fucking cool. Sure, like the dream and, picture of California. Yeah, it is. Way, oh, sure. totally. And you go, that's where I need to be. I need to go, you know, just, you know, not like Hollywood, but I just need to be in California. I don't just Colorado. And I'm not from Colorado. I moved there, you know, when I was 12 and so it just, yeah, I went to high school there, but I never liked it a whole lot, you know? So wasn't your, and place, I didn't have any, so it wasn't your home. And I just, and I didn't, so yeah, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have roots there. So I like, I didn't give a fuck about Denver Broncos or Colorado Rockies and shit. So I'm like, yeah, sure. get me out of here. So I just type in, I go, yeah, like uh, Los Angeles or, you know, a hundred mile like diameter or radius, you know, from Los Angeles, as far as uh, people, for, you know, drummers. So that's what I do. I plug that in. I start just looking, you know, at bands and checking out bands that are posted on this website, like that they need a drummer. And I come across this band from San Diego, and I was like, "Oh shit, San Diego!" I was like, "I've never been there." Oh, you'd never I been to San know. Diego before? You no, did. no. I was okay. like, I had, I had no. I, I actually, I had come out here when I was one years old. My dad brought me out here because his sister, my aunt, actually went to um, UCSD. Oh, okay. Um, that so really he came count. out here you when I was really aware right. of what was oh, going yeah. on. Yeah. I was like, I don't even know where like San Diego was. So I'm like looking it up on the map. You know, I knew it was south of Los Angeles, but I was like, I was like, oh shit, that's like almost Mexico. I was like, that's kind of cool. I was like, all right. And this band, the name was of Hearts and Shadows. So not the best band name, but and if I was, I you know, if I had chosen the band name, I definitely wouldn't have chose that band name. But I was sure. like, whatever. I was like, it's you know, it's different, cool. Like I've never heard a band name like that. They needed a drummer. I checked out their you know like 
social media pages at the time. It was like, you know, pure volume or whatever the fuck people were listening to at the time. Um, or, you know, bands were uploading stuff on there and they had like a little website thing. And, but I noticed like on their pure volume or I think it was pure volume, one of those, they had like a ton of plays. I was like, holy shit. I was like, why is it like this band is, and I, I listen to their music and I go, you know, the music's fine and it's good, but the drums are not very good. Oh, and I was like, I see why they're looking for a drummer because they their drummer is just is all over the place. Like, not in time, not like commanding, and the kind of music they wanted to play. You need a drummer who can kind of command and kind of like run the band from the back, kind of drive, drive the whole thing in right. some ways, right? Yeah, sure. And so I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm just you know I'm gonna go make a tape. So I straight up, I mean, this is I'm I'm not very computer savvy. I've gotten better over the years, but at the time, at 20 years old, all I wanted to do was play drums and tour so i didn't spend a whole lot of time on the computer so i was like message the kid i'm like hey man i'm interested i live in denver if you're looking for you know someone you know to join your band like i might be interested he's like oh okay but you live in like denver and i was like yeah yeah but like i'm looking to move out of here he's like oh okay i was like what's your address i'm gonna send you a tape so i straight up record on like a boom box just me playing drums for like 10 minutes oh cool sent it out to this kid's address he calls me back like a week later after he got it and he goes dude this is amazing he's like if you're he's like if you are serious about moving out here he's like please like we would love to have you like come and like like let's just jam and like see what happens my dad traveled my dad traveled for work a lot and that's kind of why we moved a lot but you know he accumulated a lot of miles for airlines and all that so he was kind enough to be like, hey, okay, you want to go out there? He's like, all right, yeah, just give me like, you know, pay the tax on this flight or whatever, the processing, whatever. And it was like 20 bucks, you know, so I flew to San Diego for 20 bucks. Yeah, came out here and instantly, you know, gelled with the guys. So I was like, man, these guys are great. They're, you know, close to my age, you know, they're a year or two younger, but, and they, like, they, they were hungry. They wanted to play music and they wanted to tour and do all this stuff. And yeah, so I came out here and I kind of, that was still when you could, you know, drink and smoke on the beach and stuff. So I remember going down to Mission Beach and being and just fall in love with the place. And I was like, I love it here. You know, I was like, this is exactly where I want to be. It seems like came, that I came out here one other time. I drove out here like a month later, you know, started writing songs with the guys and learning some of their songs. And then a month after that, I moved out here. I was like, fuck it. You know, oh, cool. still had an apartment in Denver, but I just, you know, paid the rent every month. And then when that was that six month lease was over, I was not paying rent. So when I moved out here, I was still paying rent in Denver. And I just lived on, you know, people's couches or in my car for a good like six months or so. Oh, wow. And then eventually, wow. yeah, then eventually I got a, I lived on the couch of this girl's house in Mission Beach and her rented a house and she got the bedroom and I got the uh, living room. I paid 300 bucks to live behind that Jack in the box that used to be there on the corner of mission beach, uh, right by Belmont park. Oh yeah. 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 No kidding. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, it was like the time of my life, man, like being, you know, 21 years old and living down at mission beach and, you know, they're able to party on the beach every night and, you know, transferred with my job, you know, at the time I was working for wild oats, which is similar to whole foods and they owned, um, Henry's at the oh, time. Yep, and yep, yep, yep. so I just, transferred out here with the job and you know yeah wrote an album uh with that band of hearts and shadows and we toured like for like three years like just on and off just constantly at oh, it so you were in this band for a while then yeah it was 2004 to you know it was like the end of 2004 to like 
I mean, I guess technically 2008, but we had kind of like, we stopped doing, we were just kind of stopped being active at the end of 2007. Like, you know, this label put out our record and they were kind of a, the record label was pretty much just a way to legitimize um, drug sales. And uh, the owner of that record label, (laughs) yeah, for legal reasons, I won't say the record label, but I mean, they paid for everything. I mean, they paid, you know, they gave us a credit card to use for gas to drive around the country and play songs. And, you know, we didn't go anywhere, you know, I mean, it didn't make or break our career necessarily, but it, uh, it was fun. I mean, we were in our yeah, early like going 20s. On vacation and, almost. Yeah. Yeah. And not having to worry about anything. Yeah. It taught me like a ton about touring, you know, and then we just didn't, we didn't have to worry about gas. That yes, was the thing. Sure, was like, sure, sure, we didn't sure. worry about everything else, but you know, gas, we just put on a credit card. So yeah, I mean, you have, ban- you know, we had a, they had a couple bands or three bands on their record label and three bands out there touring all the time. And, spending money on gas every night and with a credit card yeah you're able to launder some money that way wow you know, legitimize your stuff so yeah <laughs> that the owner of that label ended up doing time because he got caught and everything kind of fell apart but um that's not why the band fell apart it just you know kind of did that and after that band that's how i ended up in la trying to gig out that's where the after that band that's when i kind of became matt casket i was like all right let's do something for myself you know well let's get let's hit you for with some trivia and then we'll talk a little bit about that yeah the next question number four what is the name of the actor that played cowboy curtis on peewee's playhouse Yeah, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. There you go. Good job. All right. Yes, sir. Good one. Okay, you already won. I mean, now it's just semantics doing the other questions. Yeah, hey, hey, just roll through them. I want to win some prizes. There we go. I already know I won the base prize, but. Yes, sir. All right. Question number five. Name at least two of the characters that live in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Cherry, right? That's one. Chair? Yep, Cherry, you yeah. got it. Yep, you got it. Um, the other, you know, I can't remember. There was Cherry, and then I can't remember. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Yeah, I'm not getting this one. Oh, Matt, Matt, Matt. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. You already won the contest, so that's good. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Cherry, uh, Terry, the pterodactyl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> J- Jambi, that, the genie, just the head. Oh, yeah, Jambi. Conky, the robots. Magic screen, Globy, Clocky, Mr. Kite. They're after Cherry is the easy one. The rest of them, I'm like, uh, I know Terry, but yeah, I watch the show all the time because my kid loves the show. Sure, yeah. Question number six. What is the name of the singing trio of ladies that made fairly regular appearances on Pee Wee's Playhouse? I do not know. Oh, sorry. No problem. Yeah. That was the Del Rubio triplets. Yes, they were triplets. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, see, now I, I need to go back and watch Pee Wee's Playhouse. I'm like, <laughs> you know, the movies and all the movie trivia I got, and then it's like, uh, oh, I got you. I stuck, I stuck some yeah. tough ones in here for you. Okay, good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You're doing okay, though. You're doing okay. Yeah. We'll get to the last two questions here. My One of my stock questions for sure burritos. What is your favorite burrito? 
Where did you get okay. it? What type of burrito? What what? Where would you say you've had your favorite burrito? And what kind of burrito was it? I should say. Okay, I've lived all over San Diego County. Over, the, I've been in Southern California for fifteen years now, almost sixteen years, and I've lived like all over. I lived in like Lemon Grove, El Cajon, uh, down in Chula Vista, North Park. I live in Hillcrest currently. Lived in La Mesa. I don't know if it's that. Mission Beach. I've lived in all these areas. And, you know, I lived in Oceanside for two years after I moved back from L.A. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You were in North County, too. Wow. Yeah, just for, yeah, from 2017 to 2000, until last August. And then I moved back down to the city. But yeah, I was living up in Oceanside and uh, good. I needed the solitude and all that. Yeah, kinda yeah, yeah, yeah. Heal, That's what North County can be kind of kind of be good for kinda, that yeah. a little bit too. Yeah, a, so yeah, yeah I, was, I was right off the uh, San Luis bike trail up there. So I used to ride my bike to the beach all the time. It was very therapeutic. So let's see, burritos. Well, I stopped eating meat 11 years ago. So I haven't eaten a carne asada or California burrito or California proper burrito in a years that used to be my go-to of course it's like i moved here and that became like that's what you get sure, you know, it's sure, like yeah, carne asada yeah. fries you know california burrito it was like that 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 was my thing and then uh yeah 11 years ago i was like yeah 25 yeah i stopped eating meat you know for you know for a while like the staple would kind of go to like a bean rice and cheese and so that can be hit or miss in a lot of places you oh, know sure. um yeah, yeah but then so the burrito that i've created over the years and this is what i usually get uh, when I go get a burrito, I get bean and cheese burrito with French fries and guacamole. Oh, and that is hey, all right. That is my go-to burrito. And then if I'm not eating cheese, I kind of like go back and forth with cheese here and there. I'll be like eat vegan like six months out of the year, and then I I love cheese so much. And there's been time, you know, there's been years that I've gone vegan, but I usually always go back. I'm like, ah, just give me a cheese pizza, just please. cheese, cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's my go-to burritos: bean and cheese. French fries, guacamole, try it. It's fucking delicious. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That sounds good. It kind of, it's like, kind of, you know, you know, a lot of times I have like pico de gallo in there as well. That kind of helps me feel like I'm eating a California burrito without eating the carne asada. Right, sure. And then I always get a side of chips, always, you know. So my favorite, I would say my overall favorite place, because I live in a lot of different places and they're all over, is Roberto's. Oh, solid, because, dude. Solid. Just yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. like, I mean... When I was living in North County, it's like they got the Roberto's there in Oceanside. Yep. So they go to that one right off Coast Highway. There's the Roberto's here in North Park, right off of, um, Idaho Street. That 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 one's my go-to now. Is my go-to when I have to live like a block from there. That's just you know, their red also is my favorite because it's just fucking spicy and hot, and it gets you there. Yeah, and they don't yeah, fuck yeah, around yeah. either. They don't. They don't have a mild salsa. They're mild. No, salsa. no, no, no. Red or green. So, yeah, they get you both yeah, ways. Red or green. Oh, it's perfect. It's delicious. So yeah. What's next? I mean, Matt Cas, you're doing Matt Casket in the breaks now. Yeah, um, you so have a full length I, coming out pretty soon. I do. Something good. Yeah, good. So, okay. Yeah, we have a full length record, eleven tracks. Uh, it'll be out. I want it. You know, it's like. There's no timeline for anything. Like, uh, I I don't have anybody releasing it right now. The album is almost done being tracked. It's incredible. I put a lot of time and effort into this record. I really wanted to make a with Casket. I was always I was like focused on the songwriting and you know the drums and stuff, but I really didn't pay super attention to like guitars or like just everything else, you know. And with this with the Breaks record, I feel like I really paid very close attention to the whole record. 
you're more focused Clint. on the, the overall the overall yeah. thing rather than just yeah. kind and of I, what you were doing in some ways right and i mean i and i like when i went in there and did drums i definitely threw in some stuff so i didn't sit there and necessarily like you know, lay back on the drums or anything like that. But I, you know, I just, I really thought about every note on this record. I really wanted to put out a record where I did that. Yeah. It sounds, I can't wait to get it out. I just, I want to get it out as soon as possible, but yeah, we're almost done tracking. I would say tracking should be done the next like couple weeks and then just, you know, mix it and then master it. And then, I mean, there's some people that have expressed interest in putting it out, but you know, they, you know, they, you know, they want the final product first, which is fine. Sure. You know, cause I had sent them like pre-production tracks. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and they were like, yeah, 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 just send me, you know, yeah, we're interested, but yeah, when that whole thing is done, then, you know, we'll look at it and see what we can do. And, you know, then they'll, you know, their timeline as far as uh, their release schedule, as far as bands. So uh, no one uh, I'll say yet, but, yeah, the breaks. I mean, it's been the same lineup for the past two years. So it's Michael Kelly plays guitar, Ricky Martinez guitar, and then AJ Peacock's on bass. And uh, my friend Wade Morris is recording it. I think he's going to mix it as well. Yeah. And it's Where, just like, what, stu- a, what studio were you guys doing? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. His studio is called uh, Defiant Robot Studios. And uh, yeah, he's like, Wade is incredible. Super like workaholic, uh, works in education Monday through Friday. And then, yeah, I mean, this is, then he's just trying to make a name for himself, like recording bands and doing the podcast and just supporting the local scene. He's just got a great head on his shoulders and uh, me and him see eye to eye. It's like, I'm lucky because I get to go into the studio and work with him on a lot of stuff. And he just, we get it, you know? Yeah. You guys and, mash and work together. Well yeah. And, all that and stuff, that's how, so. and yeah, that's how I felt with everybody who's recorded. I, I've gotten very lucky over the years, just meeting people who want to work with, you know, that me and that engineer work together really well, you know, with this machine kill sadness and the EP, it was this kid, Chris Hopkins, who lived down in Chula Vista. We, you know, worked well together. And then for old fires, it was Nick Mack and he's doing Nick like tours with Post Malone now does like on the road recording studio sessions with him. It's crazy. I think Nick recorded mix and mastered old fires and he just sounded insane. That record. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. 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 It it just, so I'm going to have him master it or, you know, I'm hoping to. So yeah, I mean, as far as what's next, I mean, everything's on hold right now, obviously with COVID. Sure, 19. for touring or shows so, or yeah, anything just, like that. It's so, kind of off the you know, plate for now. Yeah, so I'm just focusing on finishing tracking, let it, you know, then mixing and then mastering it. And then, you know, hopefully everything kind of goes through and, you know, you know, we're waiting to see if Fest is still on, Las Galera Fest, you know, and that gets, you know, rescheduled. So, yeah, everything's just kind of up in the air right now. So it's kind of a weird time, but I'm trying not to listen to the my songs too much because I don't want to overanalyze them and, you know, go fuck it, scratch it all, and redo it all. <laughs> right, um, right. Don't let it drive you crazy. That's no, but yeah. I, I have put, I have put a very uh, insane amount of time into just really thinking of each note and like how it's all presented. So I'm actually really happy with everything, and yeah, I can't wait to put it out there. And I feel like after Casket, I haven't released a full length record since Old Fires, and I feel like this new record with the breaks will kind of like. Like when I said I'm a lifer, it's like I kind of know the direction I'm going as far as like, you know, yeah, just like music and the rest of my life. So it could always change. You know, I could be a hip hop artist before you know it. But uh, I kind of feel like with this record, I've kind of found my sound and all that stuff. So cool. Cool. Oh, that's good. Not, that's great. Yeah. 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 That's great. So, You're happy and it's not with too it. That's far your off. thing. So yeah. I, yeah, I feel like with this record, it's a happy medium between like the sound that I got on 
this machine kills sadness and uh old fires new frontier i feel like i've kind of like found that happy medium in between there and that's kind of the sound i was going for that's so, what you're um, looking to do you, you did what you yeah. kind of wanted to do in a way so yeah so i'm very happy very proud of it proud of the guys that are in the band proud of everybody that's worked with me on it we shot like the cover not uh, a couple weeks or about a month ago we shot the cover up in la at jenny from bad cop bad cop's house you know so i got a bunch of stuff i'm just kind of waiting to put it all out there into the world so i'm just sitting on it until can kind of pull the trigger on all of it so maybe later this year it sounds like is a possibility oh yeah oh no yeah sure, so yeah we'll start trickling stuff out i'm trying to figure out like now i'm trying to get into like how how like just releasing like releasing music in this day and age is just kind of different so oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, trying to come yeah, up with is. you know rather than just being like here's the whole album here you go because Nowadays, it's like it kind of gets lost if you just dump a record out. It's like right, everyone consumes right. it so fast, and then it's gone. So you kind of have to like trickle it out, you know. Right. So it's like you have to have like five singles that you trickle out, you know. So uh, yeah, just working on like a game plan for that and how to keep, how really just keep people's attention, you know. So, sure, sure. sure. And that's what we do as a you know artist, I guess, or musician. All right, Matt. Well, cool. Thanks so much yeah. for coming on and talk to me. I really yeah. appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking soon. And thank you oh, for man, being yeah, on was, the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks, right buddy. On. All right, Matt. Bye. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Well, there you have it, folks. Matt Casket in all of his glory. And I got to say, that Matt is a really, really rad dude. Yeah, I love that dude, man. He's great. The music fucking blows me away. That's coming from somebody who every episode, every band I've had on this episode in an in interview or just played songs. It's all the shit that I love the most in the entire world. The casket stuff fucking blows me away. It's insane. It is so, so good. Well, that being said, thank you so much to Matt for joining me and talking to me about all the stuff we talked about. I really, really do appreciate it. Also, huge thanks to 3110 Printing and Sticker Junkie for your support of the Bobcast. I really appreciate everything. And finally, thanks to you for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd really appreciate that. Here are Matt Casket and the Breaks with the song Paint Me by Number. Thank you again so much for listening.